Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton, South Dakota. Our episode today is from our series, Hatchem, Patchem, Matchem, and Dispatchem. Parenting can be the most difficult job you'll ever have, but it can also be the most rewarding and most revealing. During this four-week series, we'll learn from the greatest parenting book of all time, God's Word, on how to raise our kids His way. We hope you enjoy. Father was passing by his son's bedroom window and he saw an envelope propped up against the pillow and the words Dad were addressed on it. With his worst premonition, he opened up the envelope and read these words. Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow I'm writing you this letter. You see, I ran away with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Mom. But you don't understand. I've been finding real passion with Stacy and she's nice. I know you wouldn't approve of her because of all her piercings, tattoos, and tight motorcycle clothing. And in fact, she's much older than I am. The truth be told, Dad, it's not that she's just nice. She's also pregnant. Stacy assures me, however, that we'll be happy together. She owns a trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood that will last the whole winter. Together we share a dream of having many, many more children. She has opened my eyes, Dad, to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt you. In fact, we're thinking about growing it ourselves and possibly trading it with others for some extra income. But don't worry, Dad. I'm 15. I know how to take care of myself. Someday I hope that you can forgive me and you will visit so you can know your grandchildren. Your son, John. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. I just wanted you to know that there are worse things in life than a bad report card. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the punchline, call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> That's a brave child right there, amen? If you're a guest, we, again, we just want to say welcome home. We've been in a series, I already said, called Hatchem, Patchem, Matchem, and Dispatchem. We've been talking about parenting. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go to our website, yankton.church. You can uh, watch all the messages there. We also have a YouTube channel. And we also have a podcast where you can listen to it as well. And I've been saying that parenting is the most difficult thing you will ever do in your life. It's also the most joyful thing you'll ever do in your life. And for me, it's been the most revealing thing that I've ever done in my life. But even if you're not a parent, or even if you're sitting here and your kids are already grown and you're thinking, man, it's too late for me, church, it's never too late. They're always your kids. And like I was sharing before, if you don't have kids, you do have kids because you're part of our community here of believers. And that's who we are together. You can help us um, learn from each other and how to be a best parent that we can be. I said this last week that every parent that I've ever talked to, there's two universal truths with every parent I've ever talked to. And the first one is they don't think they're doing a very good job. They, they think they can do better than what they're doing. They kind of feel like a failure. But the second thing is also true. Every parent I've ever talked to wants a better life for their kids than what they have for themselves. And we should have that desire. I believe that's a God-given desire in our hearts to have that. And, and there's lots of things we can do to become better parents. There's lots of seminars we can go to. There's lots of classes we can attend. There's thousands of books 
we can read. But church, there's not one better book than God's Word on what it means to be a good parent. And so we're going to unpack that these next couple weeks, and I'm very excited about it. And last week, we talked about Hatcham, which means we're talking about discipline. And how none of us like discipline. Even when we were kids or even when we were parents, we don't like to discipline, but it's needed. And we talked about how we can correct our kids in love and what that looks like to train them up in the righteousness that God wants them to be in. And today we're going to talk about patching them, patching them up. And so with that, I'm going to give you one verse. And I'm going to put it up here on the screen. I'd like us to read this verse out loud together. It's from 1 Thessalonians 2.12. We encouraged you, we comforted you, and we kept urging you to live the kind of life that pleases God. Church, if you want to memorize one verse about parenting, that's it right there, right? We encouraged, comforted, and we kept urging you to live the kind of life that God wants us to do. And I mentioned this last week. As parents, our kids are alone from God. God has given us our kids as a gift. And so we are supposed to value them and help teach them in that. We help them to understand who God is. God has given us the amazing God-given responsibility to raise them up. And that's serious stuff. And so today we're going to look at, from this passage in 1 Thessalonians, those things about raising awesome kids. So if you want to take out your note sheet on the back of that, you might want to write these down. Here's the first one, the three keys to raising an awesome kid. Here's the first one. Give them a hand-on and encourage them. Give them a hand-on and encourage them. Here's that first part of verse 12 again. It says, we encouraged you. Encouragement is a big deal, church. We should continue to encourage all the time. And I would say, it's really easy to encourage our kids when they're doing well. Like, we'll see our kid do something, or maybe they'll get a good grade, or, or do a good behavior, and we'll encourage them, and we'll say, wow, that's a great job, way to go. I think we do that. What's hard to do sometimes is encourage our kids when they keep messing up, <laughs> over and over and over again, and we get frustrated, and it's hard to encourage in that season, and so we need to talk about that. And I would contend, I think for the most part, I think most of us are not real good at encouragement. I don't think there's enough, I'll say it this way, I don't think there's enough encouragement in our world. I'll give you an example. How many of you have ever come home and had your spouse say to you, you know what, I had a tough day at work today. Oh, really, what happened? My boss would not stop encouraging me. All right, all day long, it was just encourage, 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 encourage. I just, I just get tired of it, right? I've never heard that, all right? I've never heard a kid say, I'm so frustrated with my parent right now. What, what's wrong? Well, they just encourage me all the time. They just keep encouraging me over and over and over. It doesn't happen. And why I think that is, is because I don't think we're really good at encouragement. Or let me say it this way. I think we could get better at encouraging, not just our kids, maybe our spouse, maybe our coworkers, if you're a boss, maybe your employees. So I'm going to give you three things to encourage kids. And here's the first one that we can encourage our kids with. We can encourage our kids with our presence. We can encourage our kids with our presence. In Acts 28, there's a story about the Apostle Paul. And if you're not familiar with it, I just want to kind of recap it real quick for you. God had given him a vision about traveling to Rome. And he knew that for three years, God had said, I'm going to send you to Rome. Now, it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to get on a boat and go to Rome. It didn't work that way. Because at the time, he was a prisoner in Jerusalem. And there was a plot to kill him. 
And through a miracle of God, he was able to be rescued from that. And he was, ended up being in prison in another place for about two years. He was there for the reign of two kings. And eventually he got sentenced to get sent to Rome. So they put him on a boat to go to Rome. But the problem was this boat got shipwrecked. It hit a storm. He almost drowned in the open sea. He had to swim to an island just to survive. He gets through that ordeal. He gets on the island and a snake bites him. A poisonous snake bites him. But miraculously he doesn't die. They have to winter on this island for the whole winter. They get on another boat and finally they make it to Rome. And this is what happens. I want to read this verse to you. Acts 28, 15. There were people in Rome who knew Paul was coming. And they went out there. And as soon as the boat pulled into the dock, they walked out. And look at what they said. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. At the sight of these men. Did you hear what it said there? They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. All Paul did was saw their presence. Saw that they were there. And three years of struggle, a three-year journey, had just encouraged them. Our presence is encouraging, just like that. And so when you see somebody going through a struggle, when, when you see somebody who, who needs some help and you don't know what to do, even in your kids' lives, sometimes just being there is all you need to do. Sometimes we just need our presence of our parents and our families. And in our world today, I think the presence of parents in their kids' lives is more important than ever. I've made this mistake before where I've said to my own kids, you know, when I was your age, can I help you with that statement? You were never their age. I, I didn't grow up with Twitter, okay? I, I didn't grow up with Snapchat. I didn't grow up with any of that stuff that they have nowadays, right? When I went to school, if there was a bully at school, right, they'd pass by the hall, you know, you'd beat him in the lunchroom, you'd see him on the playground, and then you would go home. And you wouldn't have to deal with them anymore. They would just be gone. That's not the case anymore, family. Our kids are constantly in the presence of people who aren't very nice and who want to do them harm. And, and every time their phone deeks, beams, tweets, or whatever, right, and they look at it, it could be somebody just downgrading them, somebody that's not encouraging them. So our presence is so important in the, our kids' lives. We need to be present there. And I'm gonna challenge you with something that I'm working on. Are you being present with your kids digitally? Are, are you the one sending them messages? Are you the one that's texting them? Or are you learning how to use those types of social medias so you can encourage them and you can be present in their lives? Because our presence is encouragement. Here's another way that we can encourage our kids is with our touch. We can encourage kids with our touch. Virginia Satter is a family therapist and this is what she recommends. She recommends four hugs a day just for survival. She says we need eight hugs a day to make for maintenance and we need up to 12 hugs a day for growth. Physical touch is a huge part of our lives. And I think one of the struggles that we've all had during this season of quarantine is we miss that physical contact. Now hopefully with your own family, you've been doing that as well, but it's just, it's something that we miss. It's something that we need. Go all the way back, we looked at this last week, Genesis 2. When God created man and woman, then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. At the very beginning, touch was a key part of God's relationship with us. Touch really became life. Look at the life of Jesus. 
Jesus, when he would heal somebody, he would physically go to them and touch them to heal them. Now, that always fascinates me because remember, Jesus was God, right? Jesus could walk into a room like this, and if there was all these sick and disabled people, he could just like snap his fingers and everybody would get healed. He could have done that because he was God. But he would spend all day, every day, sometimes to the point of physical exhaustion, going to each and every sick person and touching them and healing them. Why? Because there's power in touch. He would touch blind men and they would see. He would touch lepers who no one in that society would want to touch. Those were the COVID-19s of that first century, all right? Oh, you have that. I'm not going to touch you. Jesus would. Jesus would go and touch them and heal them. Jesus took the hand of a little girl who was dead and said, come back to life. And his touch raised her from the dead. Physical touch is a huge thing. Our kids need that. And I don't care what age they are. They need that physical touch. Now, I have to say this. And I know in a room this size, I don't know what your life was like growing up. This is what my life was growing up. My family was awesome. They, they all, hugs, kisses, high fives were always a part. There was a lot of great physical touch in my family. But I've lived life long enough and I shared my experience with kids working before to know that in a room this size, in your family, physical touch might not have been a good thing. And in your past, maybe there's been some physical touch that's been hurtful. Maybe there's been abuse. Maybe there's been some sexual abuse that's gone on with that. Now, again, if you're here today and that physical touch was an experience in your life growing up, I need you to know two things. The first one is, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That was not what God wanted. Sinful, broken people made sinful, broken decisions. And unfortunately, that hurts you. And for some, that never goes away. That's a scar that you carry with for the rest of your life. And I'm so sorry. But here's the second thing you need to hear from me. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Do not deny your children physical touch because it's hard for you because of your past. If there's some things you need to take care of, if maybe you need to go to counseling and work through some stuff, please do that. But our kids need our physical touch. It's so important that we do that, no matter what our background was. And the other thing that I like to say is to the guys in the room, to the dads, okay? Now, I just want to share with you something. I, I'm a guy. All right, and, and I've been kind of hard on dads last week, and I'm gonna be kind of hard on dads again this week. And there's a reason for that, is because I think men, we need to step up to the plate, and we need to be responsible for this. So I, physical touch can sometimes not be a dad thing, right? We're, we're one of the, the guys, right? Oh, just rub some dirt on it, or you'll be fine, kid. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Is that macho, like, oh, I don't need physical touch. Well, I wanna show you a picture. Oh, it's not gonna show up, is it? That's okay. So. Basically, what I want to tell you about is there's a story and there's a statue that we can show at some point. We'll maybe we'll pull it up here. But um, there's a statue of two guys and one guy has his arm around him. And what basically what happened was um, there was a guy by the name of Jackie Robinson. If you're not familiar with who Jackie Robinson was, he was the first African-American who was allowed to play Major League Baseball. And I say allowed to play because he was very capable of playing it, but they had a rule back then that it was segregated and only white people could play baseball. Jackie Robinson, 1947, broke the color barrier. What I mean by that is he said, hey, I'm gonna be, um, gonna play baseball. They gave an opportunity to play Major League Baseball. And it was hard. He faced a lot of persecution, a lot of hurt, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. Well, he had a teammate by the name of Pee Wee Reese. And Pee Wee Reese was a white man from the South 
Um, and he had his own views and opinions on segregation. And Jackie, they were playing a game in Cincinnati, and Jackie was having a really hard time. And of course, you can imagine the jeers from the crowd and, and all that kind of stuff that was happening. And what happened was, Pee Wee Reese saw what was going on, walked over, and he put his arm around Jackie Robinson. And he stood there in the middle of the field, a white man in the South, putting his arm around a black man. And Jackie Robinson would later go on to say that that one act of physical touch completely changed the rest of his career. It gave him the strength, it gave him the courage, it gave him the support to continue to go on. So why do I say that? Guys, listen up. Because physical touch isn't our strong suit a lot of times, when we do it, it's powerful. It makes a huge impact on our kids. And so we need to make sure that we're doing that as well. So we need to encourage our kids with physical touch. Here's the third way that we can encourage our kids with our words. We need to encourage them with our words. There's a little boy who said, hey, daddy, let's play darts. And the dad said, okay, great, let's do that. He said, yeah, this is how it works. I'll throw the darts and you tell me great throw, <laughs> right? That's what kids want, that encouragement from us and to see that. And our words have power. Our words have power. We need to encourage them with our words. One of the things that I love, I have in my office, I have a stack of cards. And I want you to know that every card or every letter that I get, I save. Um, just because it means a lot to me. And, and I'm very grateful for that. And I just want to share this too, that sometimes I get cards and letters that aren't very great, okay? Um, sometimes I get cards and letters from people that want to tell me um, what a terrible job I'm doing as a pastor and how much uh, I'm against God's word and all these things. And uh, I, I just, if you don't have a job where you get that happen to you, I highly encourage it. It's great to have that. <laughs> we have people that say that. Um, and I'm, I'm being silly, but it does. It's not, it's, it hurts sometimes when you, when you get that stuff and, and you hear that. Um, but here's the thing that I always say, um, and where I'm going with this, I, I, t I say those. If I get a letter from somebody and, and they're hurt and they're, they're kind of pouring out their heart into me, and I understand it happens. You've heard me say this a hundred times. I'm the pastor of this church. If I haven't offended you yet, um, you haven't got to know me very well. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Um, but what I would encourage you to do if that happens, let's have a conversation. You know, because if, if, if you feel you're so full of the Holy Spirit, let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Don't just write a letter and then walk away. That's, I can't find that in my Bible. That's not what we're supposed to do, right? But I save those for a specific reason because I, I need to remember that. I need to understand that. Because always there's a little bit of truth in that, right? Every time we get a criticism, there's always a little bit of truth that we can learn and we can grow from that. But here's the other reason why I save those is because I have them in my drawer, right? And what I do is I put them down at the bottom. And, and all those encouraging words that I get, I stack them up on top of that. And, and if I'm ever tempted to pull out those nasty letters and read them again, you know, because you're like, oh, sometimes you do that, you know, I have to go through those encouraging ones first. And, and I want to read through that first because here's the thing. Encouragement matters. What, what you speak, the words that you say matter. And how you focus on that. Where do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on the negative? That's easy. Well, everybody can find something negative to share, Right. Or do you want to focus on the positive and encourage them? Here's something that I want to challenge you on. As a parent, what if every word you spoke about your child came true? What if God was listening and what came out of your mouth, God said, okay, thy will be done. For example, oh, you're just like your dad. God says, thy will be done. Mm, that's scary, huh? What about this? You'll never understand what I'm talking about. Thy will be done. 
Or how about this one? You're not good for anything. Ooh, those words hurt, right? I know people who their entire lives, they have been torn down by the words of their parents. And some of them I know their parents are no longer even living anymore, and they're chasing the approval of their mom and dad to say, hey, you did a good job. Church, our words have impact. So, so here's what I'd like to hear. Here's, here's, as a parent, what I want to challenge you to encourage your kids with their words. How about you say things like this? You can do anything you want to. I'm so proud of you. What about this for our little girls? How about we say, you're so beautiful. You're so, you're just gorgeous. You're beautiful. And here's what's going to happen, because you know this. Some dumb boy is going to come along at some point and make that girl feel like she's ugly. And you know what that girl's going to look at him and say? You're an idiot. Because <laughs> I know I'm beautiful. Because I've been told that. What about this? I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Family, I don't think we can over-encourage our kids. So what's the keys to encouragement? Presence. We need to be there. Our physical touch and our words. Now, I want you to pay attention to the order of that. And here's where I'm going with that. Our words don't mean much without our presence. If we're not there, if we're not willing to be there with our kids and invest the time to be with them, our words sometimes don't matter. And our presence becomes powerful when there's physical touch. So it starts with our presence, it moves to our physical touch, and then our words have significant meaning in their lives. If we want to encourage our kids in those ways, that's how we can do that. So we want to give them a hand on and encourage them. So here's the second thing we want to talk about. We want to give them a hand out and comfort them. We want to give them a hand out and comfort them. Here's, again, verse 12. We encourage you and we comfort you. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be to God our Father of Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the Father of all comfort, who comforts us in our time of trouble. Friends, we have a, a great big God, and He loves us, and He's there to comfort us through anything that we can ever go through. But I'm going to say something that's going to be kind of controversial. Did you know that sometimes you need more than God? Did you know that? Ann Gilbert, she said it this way. I love this story. She had a little four-year-old who was half struggling with the fear of the dark. She was scared to be alone in the dark. And her and her father would reassure the little girl at bedtime that God was there with her in the room and that he would be watching over her. One night after they had gone to bed, that she felt a little tap on her shoulder. And the little girl said, Mommy, I know God's there with me, but I need somebody with skin on. <laughs> Isn't that great? Sometimes we need more than God. And God saw this from the beginning. Remember we talked about in the book of Genesis. When God created everything in the world, and he said, it's good, it's good. He created the sky, he said it was good. He created the water, he said it was good. He created the land, he created the trees, he created the fish, the birds, all the animals, he said it was good. And he created man, and he said, it's not good. It's not good for man to be what? Alone. It's not good. This is before sin, mind you. This is before sin had come into the world. He said, listen, I'm here with you and man, and I have perfect harmonious fellowship between God and man, and yet it's still not good because man needs another. And that's what we need, church. We need to have someone around us to comfort us. It's not good for us to be alone. And do you remember this when you were a little kid and you ride your bike and you fell off and you skinned your knee? What did you want? <laughs> you wanted your mommy. 
Some of us still want our mommy sometimes. We need that, right? We need to have that comfort. We need to have that. And, and this is what I want to, I want to give you some advice. Parents, this is going to be really good advice to listen to. You ready for this? When your kids need comfort, don't give them advice. All right? We have to hold back sometimes because we see the problem and we want to fix the problem, right? And they come to us and they're, they're not okay and they're in a mess and they, maybe they just broke up with somebody or maybe some disaster just happened in their life and, they, and we want to give them advice. Just hold off on that. I said this before and I want to say it again. Sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Sometimes we just need to hurt. Sometimes we just need to feel that pain and, and we don't need somebody to come along and try to fix it. We just need to have that comfort. And, and this world is going to do an amazing job at tearing our kids down. Can we agree on that? This world is going to take our kids, they're going to chew them up, and they're going to spit them out. What would it look like if your relationship, if your home, if your relationship with your kid, they knew no matter what they faced, they could come home to you. They could give you a call. And, and you wouldn't preach at them, you wouldn't give advice, you would just be there to comfort them. Family, that's what we need to do. We need to encourage our kids. We need to comfort them. Here's the third thing we're going to do. We're going to give them a hand up, and we're going to urge them. Hand up and urge them. Go back to verse 12 again. We encouraged you, we comforted you, and we kept urging you to live the life that pleases God. All of us want our kids. We have a desire for our kids to grow up and be successful. We want them to have goals that they can aim to, and we should continually urge them on to reach those goals and become all that God wants them to be in their lives. I heard a story about a, a jockey who was a very uh, successful jockey with his horse, and he won a lot of races. And one of the reporters happened to notice that right before the starting gate would open up, this jockey would lean down, and he would whisper something in the horse's ear. And just intrigued by that. So the reporter after the race asked the jockey, every race I see you lean down and whisper something in this horse's ear. What are you whispering to that horse before the race? And the jockey replied, oh, it's very simple. It's this little quote that I made up. Roses are red, violets are blue. Horses that lose are turned into glue. <laughs> right? so maybe not the urging that we should probably give, right? And sometimes we do that as as parents, we want our kids to see that there's consequences. Obviously, if you drop out of school, there could be da 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 da, da all that stuff. But be careful how you urge your kids. Let's, let's urge them on in a positive way. Young people are full of dreams. They, they can change the world, but then they grow up. And I talked about this last week. At some point in life, we start doubting ourselves. If you've heard this analogy before, if you go into a room of first graders and you say, how many of you are artists? Every single one of the first graders will raise their hand. Oh, I'm an artist, I'm an artist. If you go into a sixth grade classroom, you say, how many are artists? You get less. If you go to a senior in high school, you get even less. You know why that is? Because kids learn over time that maybe I'm not good at this. So maybe I shouldn't even try. Or, or maybe I just, I'll just give up. Or maybe that's something I'll just never be good at. And, and we fall into these traps of these lies. Friends, let's be our kids' number one cheerleader, and let's encourage them on. And I do see this. We, we encourage our kids in school. And should we encourage our kids to get good grades? Yes, of course. Should we encourage them to try hard? Yes. Should we encourage our kids to be involved in activities, athletics, music, all those things? Absolutely. Should we encourage our kids to be financially responsible, to learn how to manage a budget? Yes, we should. 
Should we urge our kids to be responsible in relationships with opposite sex and with friends? Most definitely. Here's the number one thing we need to encourage our kids and urge them to do, to live like Jesus. To understand what it means to have a life fully committed to Jesus Christ. I have two boys that I love dearly. And I'll just be honest with you, I could care less if either one of them were ever on the cover of Time Magazine. I could care less. I could care less if either one of my kids ever made the cover of Sports Illustrated or Financial Weekly, whatever. I could care less. But you know what I really care about? I care that both of my boys have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That, that at the end, when they stand before their Savior, that he'll look at them and he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's my goal as a parent. Because I want to be standing right there with them and I want to be going, amen. And every single decision that I make in my life is run through that moment to say, how can I be that for my kids? How can I encourage them? How can I urge them to live a life that they're going to be in the end? Jesus is going to say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. There's a story of a, of a baptism of a family. They brought the little baby in, of course, and they're going to baptize them. And the pastor's up there, and they have a little brother. The little brother's name is Jason. I love Jason. <laughs> and uh, Jason's up there, and he's watching everything. And the pastor's going through the little baby baptism and the verses and the prayers. And they sit down, and Jason got real quiet, which is always a dangerous thing when kids are quiet. <laughs> and the whole rest of the church service, he didn't move. He just sat there. It was just quiet. And he got in the car after church, and they start going home, and he just starts crying. Like, uncontrollably sobbing. Little Jason's in the back seat, and the mom and dad are like, Honey, what's wrong? Can I help you? He, just, he was completely inconsolable. And they get home, and they take him to the room, and the dad's sitting with them, and finally they go, Jason, honey, honey, what's wrong? <laughs> and little Jason says, Well, the pastor said he wants us to grow up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> Uh, kind of a wake-up call for the dad. See, yeah. our kids will follow Jesus when they see us following Jesus. And, and church, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at in your spiritual walk right now. Today is the day to do that. I love Philippians 3.13. Forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. I don't care how old your kids are, it's never too late. It's never too late to pick up the phone and say, listen, I wanna let you know something, I'm sorry. When you were growing up, I made some poor decisions and I need to ask for your forgiveness. Because here's what I know, I know that I want you to live a life that's worthy of Jesus Christ. And I've made some changes in my life and I've seen that, I want you to understand who I am in Christ. And I want to live that way in my life. And if your kids are really little, now's a great time to start. You can kind of build from the ground up. You don't have to go backwards. But no matter where you're at in your parenting journey, forget what lies behind you. Reach forward to what lies ahead. So I'm going to go back one more time to this verse, 1 Thessalonians 2.12. And I'm going to read it, but I'm going to personalize it. And as I'm reading it, I want you, if you're a parent here today, I want you to personalize this verse for you and for your kids. Maybe you need to memorize this. Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you need to pray it 
every morning before you get up. This is what I mean. We encouraged you, Caleb and Joshua. Those are my two boys. We comforted you, Caleb and Joshua. And we kept urging you, Caleb and Joshua, to live the kind of life that pleases God. Is that your prayer for your kids? Is that how you want them to learn how to live what God wants us to live in our lives? There's a little story here that I want to read. And I really think it sums up exactly what I was trying to say here today. I would rather watch a winner than to hear one any day. So please, my loving father and mother, let your life show me the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than my ears. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all parents are the ones who live their life in their deeds. For to see the truth in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it. If you'll let me, I'll see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue is too fast. It runs. And the lectures you deliver well, they may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Church, how are you doing with that? How is your life? Is it reflecting what God wants in our lives? And if it's not, I want to start encouraging you to do that today. Make that happen. Let's give our kids a hand on. Let's encourage them. Be present in their life. If you're not able to be physically present in your kid's life, be present in their life digitally. Give them a call. Maybe go visit them. Encourage them with your physical touch. It's so important. Again, I don't know what, how, whatever age they are, wherever that lands with you, it's something that ha needs to happen, even from dads. Encourage them with our words. They're going to hear a lot of messages throughout their lives of who they are. Let's be their number one cheerleader. Give them a handout and comfort them. Help them know it's okay not to be okay. Give them a safe place where they can just come and just, just be who they are and comfort them in that. Don't give them advice. Give them a hand up. Urge them. Urge them to live a life that's worthy of the calling that Jesus gives us. And show that by your actions and by your deeds. God, this is always the toughest part of my week because I'm going to put this microphone down and then i got to live out everything I just said. And when I think about my own life as a parent, I'm just like anyone else. I, I tend to focus more on the places I've blown it. But God, I pray it for my own life and I pray it for everyone who's listening to me right now that we'd forget what's the past. And we would take today and say, today I'm going to be the parent that God wants me to be. I'm going to patch my kids by being their number one encourager. I'm going to be their number one comforter. And I'm going to be their number one cheerleader in life. 
And God, as we talked about way back at the beginning, life is so precious. We, we have no idea how much time we have with our kids. And forgive us when we take those days for granted. And God, at the end of the day, like I shared, whether it's financial success, whether it's academic success, whether it's business success, God, there's only one success that's gonna matter, and that's the life dedicated to you, to serving you. Help me be that example for my kids in their lives, both today and in the days to come. God, thank you for this amazing church family that we can be a part of. We thank you and we praise you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meets throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website at yankton.church. You can also check us out on Facebook and YouTube at Celebrate Yankton.